You are listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. your host and I'm super thrilled to bring you stories, inspiration and strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make more money and lead a movement to change the world. I am a digital communication and personal branding strategist, business advisor, award-winning author and a speaker. I am on a mission to help professionals, corporate executives, and entrepreneurs to become leading voices in their field by finding what makes them unique with a renewed sense of identity, passion, and vibrancy to grow their business and career. If you are ready to build a meaningful personal brand to create a business or a career you love, I would love to hear from you. Book a strategic call at www.francinebelli.com slash call. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash call. Today, I have the great pleasure to talk to Francesca Uriri. She is the head of communication at West Africa Uber, and she has 12 years experience across corporate relations, reputation management, media management, and content development. And she has worked for a variety of Fortune 500 companies, social impact organizations, and startups. I've also discovered in my research that she is the founder of Leading Ladies Africa, which has 77.8 thousand followers on Instagram. And it is a women-focused non-for-profit that is redefining leadership for African women. I'm following that account and I didn't even know that uh, she was behind that account. So mm-hmm. hi, Francesca. Welcome hi, to Francine. the Work Meaningful Life podcast. Hi, Francine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have conversations and, you know, let's just have meaningful conversations about <laughs> work and life and everything else. That's what I like to <laughs> tell us in your own words, what you currently do and what your job entails. Okay, cool. So um, I always like to say that I have two jobs, two full-time jobs. Um, the first one that everyone usually knows about is that I currently head communications um, for Uber, actually now in East and West Africa. So okay. it's, it's now more regional communications. And then as well, as you mentioned earlier in the intro, um, I'm also the founder of Leading Ladies Africa, um, a women-focused um, non-for-profit that, you know, seeks to have conversation on leadership, diversity, um, and inclusion. So those are kind of like my two, uh, my two, my two main pillars, as I like to call them. Uh-huh. That's great. So uh, what attracted you to work in communication? Where this passion for communication come from? I wish, so, you know, that's funny. I wish, uh, I wish I had kind of like the something attracted me. The truth is I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I liked to write. I knew that I liked to meet people. Um, and I knew that I liked to like tell stories. So for me, it was kind of, I would either do something in the media 
or um, something around events. And, um, you know, there was this column I used to read um, in the newspaper maybe like 13, 14 years ago. And it was this lady who had this PR, public relations column. And she used to talk about PR. And I used to think, well, I can do this. You know, I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I'd do it. And so, um, you know, out of serendipity, I met this same lady at an event. And I said, look, you know, I read your column religiously and I want to do PR. And she was like, okay, do you know anything about PR? And I said, no, I don't, but um, I can do it. And which she found very bold and funny. Um, and so, you know, to cut a long story short, she introduced me to her friend who had a PR agency. And, um, you know, the rest, like they say, is history. Her friend hired me and, you know, gave me my first inroads into, like, you know, developing content, media relations, strategy, crisis management. And that was kind of like really my first um, introduction into the field. And, you know, this was in 2007. And uh, 12 years later, I'm, I'm still here. So, it, it, yeah, so it, that's kind of like my journey um, behind that. Yeah. So I love that. I love that the fact that, you know, again, you know, no path is linear, uh, you know, finding yourself. Yeah. But again, you know, your passion for writing, I think, was already a clue to yeah. some of uh, what you're doing. So because yeah. sometimes we don't make that kind of link between what we are passionate about and what mm-hmm. we end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and when you were kids, uh, what did you think that you were going to do when you grew up? Oh, <laughs> my God. So I kind of. Uh, no, I was a very weird child, to be honest. So, I mean, I had moments where I wanted to be Oye Kawenu. I'm not sure if you know her. She's a popular Nigerian musician. And then, you know, after about a couple of years, I thought, you know what, I'm going to be Superman instead because, you know, I love to fly and I love to, you know, so I had, I had different things that I wanted to be. And at some point, I wanted to be Michael Jackson and then <laughs> Doctor. It was a bit of a mess, to be honest. So I didn't have... Um, one major thing that I wanted to be. Also, because as a child, I always viewed um, the world as I could be many different things. It never occurred to me that you would need to build capacity in one thing. So I always thought that there were options to be, you know, many different things. And in and in a way, I think that that still shapes kind of like the way that I see the world in the sense that. I'm always keen to re, you know, to evolve, you know, and to just, um, you know, reposition myself constantly. That evolution is, 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 is you know, rather constant in um, whatever I do. Yeah, yeah. So I also read that actually before you joined Uber, your car has been stolen. <laughs> Can you tell me that story and tell me if you uh, have a car now or you only ride Uber? <laughs> right. So um, yeah, it was it was uh, you know it was an absolutely horrific thing that happened a day before. It literally happened um, like a day before I uh, you know I joined Uber and you know I thought oh my god this is such a huge curveball like how do you come back from that? Um, but I think like what was also important to me was I'm starting. I sensed that I was starting this new chapter and this new season in my life. And so I wouldn't let anything get in the way of it. And so I had to just put that somewhere in my mind and be like, you know what, it's a car. Um, if I don't find it, I'll get a new one. 
you know, and just have to go on. Um, so it was difficult. I mean, the next couple of months, losing something um, like that, uh, you know, it, it has, you know, it, it can get difficult. But, you know, I, I, I think that was just like one challenge that I also had to go through. Um, so, yes, I do have a car. I got a new car, which I seldom drive because I'm constantly, um, you know, taking Ubers. I, I feel like if, if I had known, I probably shouldn't have got, gotten the car because it's just parked in, in one space most of the time. And I, I literally take Ubers um, up and down. Yeah, no, that's, I love that, actually, you know. But, and, and again, perhaps it's a sign, so, you know, to tell you that you shouldn't be buying another car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. Tell me, you also joined Uber, I think it was in the middle of a crisis. How did you actually, I know that, you know, from what I've read and see about you, you like challenges. Yeah. What actually motivated you to, you know, get into that job and, you know, how did, have you ridden that uh, wave until now? So the first thing was, um, and you're right about challenges. I think that I had gotten to a point in my career that I thought, and I always have these conversations with myself. And I, you know, often ask myself, like, what is the next level? What is the next chapter? What, would, you know, what do you want to be doing next? And for me, I wanted to do something that was, a lot more that I felt like was an intersection. Um, um, so I'll give you like a brief background. I used to work at a PR agency called Weber Shandwick, um, a global PR agency, and I and I led the operations for you know the clients in West Africa. And I had been working specifically on like um, with the impact clients and also with the technology technology clients. And so for me, it was kind of like well. What if I find an opportunity where impact and technology intersects? Will that be something that I would, you know, be open to? And so, when the opportunity was no brainer for me, um, and I specifically liked the, you know, everybody was like, "Oh my God, you're so nuts!" Oh, you know, it's a time of crisis. But I often feel like the time of crisis is like you're thrown in the deep end, and if you can swim your way through it, then you not only learn something. You become a person of value. And so for me, it was critical at that point to join um, when everything wasn't looking so glamorous, um, to be part of the, you know, to be part of the team that was retelling the story of change and transformation that was, you know, that was happening right within the company itself. So those were kind of like um, the thoughts that I had um, when um, I joined Uber. And it's been a good, I mean, um, two years on, it's been a glorious wave. Um, I couldn't have anticipated that I would have learned so much or grown so much or done so much, achieved so much um, within the space of two years. So it's absolutely no regret about that. Yeah, so I love that, you know, the fact that, you know, joining a company is in a crisis, but even finding your way to get to that next level is really, I think, something that we should be all looking at. So not joining a company when you start to speak, but actually, you know, as well, you know, get that change to be part of the change, actually. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what would you say is your proudest achievement so far? I think like, I, you know, maybe come back, ask me that when I'm 90 or like 120 years old. Um, <laughs> Just because I feel like I haven't, I mean, there are many moments that I'm proud of what I've achieved and what I've done, but I think like in the, in the, in the full landscape of my life, um, time has to pass 
for me to be able to look back. I feel like I'm in the prime now where I'm making all these moves and making all these decisions mm-hmm. and doing all this work. But then give it a little more time um, and then I can look back and say, um, you know, I was proud of this, that, and the other. What I am proud of is that every day I challenge myself um, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally to always um, break out or, you know, safety cocoons or safety nets, or I always try and just challenge myself in some way. I, I you know, I try. It's not always easy. It's not always uh, fun to do, but I always try to keep that evolution process um, going because I think that as human beings, that's so crucial um, to who we are. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that positivity and really, um, you know, knowing that there's more to come, actually. Yeah, there's a lot more to come. There's a, more, lot, a lot more to come. Great. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about meaningful work, meaningful life. So when did you realize who you are and what you are meant to do in life, if such a moment has come? Yeah. Um, and this is going to sound, I'm sorry that this is going to sound like a cliche, um, but... When I turned 30, I turned 30 um, five years ago. So I'm going to be 35 in September. And so two things actually um, made that happen. I turned 30 in um, 2014. And at that point, I just began to think that, you know, the more that I have inside or the more that I have in my thoughts, I need to bring that more I need to make it manifest physically, whether it was ideas, whether it was character, whether it was spirituality, whether it was family, whether it was friends, whether it was love, I needed to manifest what was inside of me. I'm not sure if it's because I was 30 or if something happened and I don't know what triggered it, but I know that at that point, I started to desire death as opposed to just surface living. And then, unfortunately, my father passed on the following year, so in 2015. And that, for me, was the biggest trigger because in my mind, I'm like, you're here today. You might not be here tomorrow. What do you want your life to count for? What do you want your life to say about you? Especially because, like, you know, I was talking to people after my father had died, and they would say, oh, he had done this. He was this person to them. He had helped them do that. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if this man knew he was doing it purposely or intentionally. Um, But I want to be intentional about it. I want to be purposeful about it. I want to have like direction and clarity about it. So I think that that change and that evolution, you know, and I have friends who say, look, I think like when your father died, it just felt like you had rockets beneath your wings and you just went. Because there's now that urgency to live my life more wholesomely, um, you know, to live my life more purposefully and more intentionally. So I think that, you know, all of those um, situations triggered what you see today. And, and, and it hasn't stopped. It's still, like I said, it's an ongoing process. Every day, there's kind of like, you know, you check and say, okay, this is still working and this is not working and how do I make this better? Um, you know, how do I stop and listen to what my spirit is telling me and what the inner voice is saying? Just constantly um, doing that self, spirit, and soul audit, as I call it. 
Wow, I love that. Um, you know, what you share has been my experience as well, because my dad also passed away um, two years ago, and I was in the middle of writing my book, which I was mm. kind of dragging along and along and along. But as soon as he passed away, I have felt that sense of urgency, as you say. Yeah. Really. And, you know, and I felt that this is really, there's no time to waste anymore. Anything that I want to achieve, I have to make it happen. And I, you know, made sure that my book was released in, in, in a month. I've, 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 you know, did everything that I didn't do for the last nine months, actually. Yeah. So it is a very crucial moment when you see somebody that has meant a lot to you, you yeah. know, gone. You yeah. realize that actually you, the precious thing you have is really yeah. yourself, the impact you want to make, how you want to live your life. To make sure that when it's your turn or when you are no longer here, people also remember, or you yourself, because first of all, it's ourselves, you yeah. yourself understand that you have lived your life fully. Mm-hmm. You have no regrets whatsoever. You yeah. have tried whatever you wanted to try and you didn't just say, well, perhaps I should or should not. You just went for it. So yeah. I love that, you know, that's yeah. your case as well. Yeah. I think that. For everybody else, we don't need we don't need to get to that point. Exactly. That this is urgent. There is an urgency, and then we can all be intentional yeah. about mm-hmm. our life, about our work, and about the impact that we want to seek actually mm-hmm. to do. Actually, absolutely. That is so wonderful. Tell me, what have you struggled the most in your life? I think that the first thing is always how. So I was raised uh, myself and my brother were raised what people would term very unconventional ways, um, you know, so always curious, always open, um, not afraid, even though we're super respectful of authority, but not afraid of authority, not afraid to question, not afraid to, you know, be ourselves. And, you know, I often found that bringing that to a world that had all of these laid by rules and structures of how people should be or, you know, can be was often always a bit of... Um, always created a bit of tension. So it's kind of like, okay, we want you to be different, but not so different. We want you to be creative, but not so creative. Um, so that there's often been that um, uh, uh, tension between being my most authentic self, presenting my most authentic self from the, you know, letting how I feel internally reflect, um, you know, externally. And then if you look at the other spectrum of that is also questioning ideas that I've always held to be true or infallible or not up for discussion or, you know, just being open again to, you know, the transformational change that occurs with somebody who is evolving or, um, you know, who is looking to, to fully grow um, and develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those will kind of be, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So you are trying to find that way of bringing your true self to the world, yeah. you know, and you know, trying to reconcile that, uh, you know, saying that, yeah, well, we want as you say, you know, want you to be authentic, but only this authentic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think it's a struggle, yes, to do that, actually, to yeah. find that right balance. And again, you know, it's always go back to, again, looking at the values of the organization where you're working with, 
uh, and saying, actually, if those align with your own, actually, mm-hmm. so, you know, in order to be who you are or your true self, mm-hmm. you know, if the organization that you are not, you are working for has not the same values as you, you know, sooner or later you get into conflict. So yeah. you know, really making sure that where are, what is your values, what do you value and align that as much as possible with the organization or, you know, even the friends and everything mm-hmm. else that you do in life, actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, let me tell me, so sometimes we are conditioned. I know that your dad was this uh, unconventional man. Perhaps mm-hmm. uh, you didn't struggle with that. But mm-hmm. I love asking people, actually, usually we are conditioned, you know, to do or fit within some certain, you know, to have a certain view of the world. Or we are actually, you know, when we're doing that, we rebel against that actually education or, you know, thought, or actually we follow that pattern and we try to place. Which spectrum would you say that you fall into these, actually? I mean, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying, I would fall quite frequently into the um, rebellious. Um, I would fall very frequently. And I'll give you an example. And, you know, it it didn't always happen as an adult, to be honest. Um, So I remember a time when I was in secondary school, and which would be, you know, high school to to, to some people. And every night we're expected to go out for prep, which is kind of like, you know, go study, you know, and then come back into the hostel. And at a point I said, look, this is, a pointless activity because we can actually, we don't have to go out. We can actually stay in the dormitory and do prep. Like what is like, what is the, why is it such a regimented thing to do to go out and then come in? So it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then in my final year of secondary school, I just stopped going out. I was like, I'm not going to go out because it doesn't make sense. It's not a good use of time. Um, uh, you know, suffice to say, the school authorities didn't think that that was uh, something that I should be doing at that time. Um, and I got into a lot of trouble for it. Um, but then I remember going back, and my father was like, you know, the rules are rules. And I was like, no, that, that's not what you taught us. This doesn't make any sense. And I'm able to achieve this, that, that, and the other. And he was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. But you always have this tension with, there will always be like the pushback between what you believe and what you know to be true um, with laid by rules and regulations. So you must always like learn to balance it. Um, and I think for me, so there are a lot of people who are rebellious for being rebellious, like just rebellious sake. Um, but your values should drive that. What you truly believe should drive that. Um, and then you must always find the balance because you don't live in the world by yourself. You don't, you're not on like, you're not the little prince who is in his own planet, who owns his own planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as you're living with other people, you should try as much as you can to remain true to your values, um, but also give room um, see how you, you know, you, you, you could create that balance with those around you. So definitely I'm, I'm on the rebellious spectrum. Definitely. <laughs> Sounds great. So when you look back then at this childhood, how has it prepared you to be who you are today in your full self, actually? Yeah, I, I think, I think the biggest thing is that we were never, um, you know, and I'm sorry I talk about my parents like quite a lot, but we were never, so my parents didn't say things like, um, so if, for example, like go to bed 
And if you asked why, and we were encouraged to ask a lot of questions. If you asked why, seldom would you hear, oh, because I said so. Mm-hmm. There was often something, and you know, so if, for example, oh, I think you should go to bed at nine because, you know, you need to get, what, seven hours of sleep or whatever. And if you came back to say, oh, but I, I can do that on six hours, there was always an engagement and and creative, like being able to think as an individual, no matter how young you were. And I think that that has served me well because there's a sense of curiosity um, and openness to engage that I think came from my background. There's, there's, I can have difficult conversations. Um, I'm very open to, to, to hearing other, other sides or other experiences that may be different from mine. Um, and I'm not afraid of anyone. Um, so the, the innate fear that people sometimes have for authority or, um, you know, those who they perceive to be like higher than them is absolutely missing um, from me. I, I, don't, I don't engage with my world that way. And I think that that has served me um, well um, because I think that fear is a barrier um, that, that uh, prevents us from accessing things that we, we can access. Uh, you are so right, but you are again so lucky that you have this kind of, uh, you know, background, you know, because not many people have this actually. I, I know. Yeah, luck needs, yeah. uh, you know, to have parents who yeah. encourage them to ask questions. They yeah. literally say, don't ask any questions. No. Yeah. Do as I say so. <laughs> yeah, we will encourage you. And I hope that, you know, when I do eventually have my own kids, that I don't forget yeah. that this was something that, you know, was encouraged when I was a child myself. Yeah, that is brilliant. So tell me, um, you know, what is one of the toughest moments you had that actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise? Ah, so I think, <laughs> I think um, a couple of years ago, I, 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 had a, I had a manager who, I felt like completely hated my guts. Um, actually, I, I don't think, I think that she, she didn't like me at all. Um, and we, you know, it was a difficult work relationship. It, it was very stressful. Um, it was absolutely horrible, to be honest. I, you know, I would wake up just saying, look, I don't know why this person doesn't like me. Everybody else seems to like me. I don't know why she hates me, um, blah, blah, blah. And I eventually, you know, left, left that company. Um, but it turned out to be a blessing because that singular experience taught me a lifetime about managing up. Um, and, and I feel like that's conversations that sometimes we don't get in the workplace, um, how to manage your manager. Um, there are certain skills that you require. Um, it also taught me a lot about conflict resolution and management. Um, sometimes you need to bring people over to your side. You need to bring them the way that you make people say, okay, this is how I see the world. Come, come, come to the other side of the table. And how do you have these conversations in a way that is, um, that shows empathy, that shows wisdom, you know, um, and that shows courage. So it taught me a lot about conflict management and conflict resolution. Um, and then finally it, um, the time that I spent in that company, has, you know, I have some of the strongest relationships and bonds 
from that particular organization. While not with this particular person, mm-hmm. um, I think that it just also gave me the opportunity to um, ground myself fully in, in, in some of the skills that I have carried um, across, you know, other places that I've worked. So in, even though it was such a horrible moment or, you know, a horrible period, period while this was happening, it has served me tremendously. And I will always, always be grateful um, for those moments and, and, and for that opportunity. Yeah, I think that the lessons that we can all get from those tough moments when we are in them. So I'm sure that when we are in them, I know that when we are in them, it's not fun, right? But actually, more often than not, when we look back at what is going on, we really, if we do that introspection, we can take some great learnings from any of the tough situations that we go through. Yeah. This is also the reason why I ask that because, you know, in my own life, I go through sometimes some tough moments and I say, that was the best thing ever that happened to me. Yeah. So, but you don't know that when you are in it, right? Exactly. So you don't know. But yeah, so that is at least something that we can always keep in mind when we are going through a tough moment. Say, which, ca- which lesson should I have to learn here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. That's great. So what would you say is your superpower? (laughs) Empathy. Empathy, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. empathy. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, I I think I have the ability to put myself in the next person's shoes and say, okay, how, if, if that were me, how would I feel? How would I react to that? Why is this person reacting that way? Can I understand this from that person's perspective? And if I can, how does that change the conversation? How does that shape discourse? How does that, um, you know, how does that change the course of of what what we're doing? Uh, I must quickly add that I don't always show that. That's not a trait. So, for example, this is not a trait. This is not something that I would... I'm not empathetic towards, like, for example, if, if I feel like government is failing on particular things, I'm not, I'm usually not going to be like, oh, well, let me understand why we don't have power. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, like, if I'm having, like, conversations at work, if I'm having conversations with my friends, um, if I'm dealing, and I like to deal with people as people first before anything else. Um, I think that that's also important to me to be able to, you know, feel like this is a person as opposed to a title or a byline or something. Um, so I think I think empathy would be um, my superpower. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Now let's talk money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I always ask this question because usually people struggle, you know, to find a job or a business or do something that both bring them meaning and then pay them well. Mm-hmm. How do you manage to do both? You know, I suppose that you do what you love at the moment and yeah. get paid pretty much well for it. So, can you share your perspective on that? Yeah, I think that the first thing, though, is that um, the, the money that you want, um, you're, you're not going to start off. Um, I think it's, it's, I believe in the power of compounding, and I'll explain that using both scenarios. So, for example, 
Um, you know, I started out, you know, as a, I always say the runt of the litter in, in PR. Uh, obviously, I wasn't that well paid. Um, but then there was a trade-off that I was learning a lot. And as I started to compound, as I started to deepen capacity within the industry or within that sector, then obviously, um, you know, monetary satisfaction began to rise as well. But if I didn't put in the work with compounding all of this capacity and capability and skills, if I had just remained at one certain level, then I, you, you know, you can't command, you can't, you can't, you can't be like, oh, me like then I have the skills of a rabbit. It's you know it's incongruent. So you know that's how I think about that. And even in terms of like leading ladies Africa, it's kind of like the same thing. You know when we first started out, nobody would speak to us. You know they just be like, oh yeah, this is such a wonderful thing. But people want to see your track record. They want to see what you've done over time. And like I said, compounding is is what does that. Once people can trust you, you've been around for a while. You've shown impact. You've shown um, value. I think that's the point. Always be a person of value. Once you are a person or an organization of value, and you create um, you create that value, and people know that that value exists, then your you know in terms of money, it will come. But you have to put in the work. Um, you have to learn the skills. You have to, you know, um, put the word out as well. I think like a lot of people also sometimes think that, oh, you know, I'm so amazing, but uh, you know, I'm not going to let anybody know about this. So there, are, there are a lot of elements that come into play with just how the money um, rises. I love, I love your wisdom. Actually, I think that you break that down very, very well. Actually, because you have to obviously build that skill, yeah. be, have the value, build that before even you start to leverage that to yeah. get to the point that you want. And yeah. usually, as you say, consistency is key. You know, as you say, the compounded effect, you know, is going to show. At the beginning, it doesn't feel like it that. It doesn't feel like it. feels it's you know? frustrating. <laughs> People don't, you know, but you have to. And I think that this is where also, why are you doing what you're doing? Like what drives, are you doing it because you want to be famous or you want money or there has to be something deeper that drives you. If not, you're not going to be able to like just wade through like the difficulties at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's super. Now let's talk about the movement. Um, <laughs> so um, which movement will, are you leading or would like to lead? Um, wow. So that's a, that's a hard one. Because, uh, um, I mean, obviously with Leading Ladies Africa, it kind of like has to be, I want to see more diversity mm-hmm. and not just diverse. I think sometimes when we think about diversity, we think about, oh, we need more women. Oh, we need more black people or we need more Asians. Mm-hmm. I think like even within the black women. So for example, in Africa, so oh, we need more women in business, but we also need more women in the blue collar jobs. We also need more women in the market. I feel like having a variety of voices and skills at the same time is absolutely important. So while it's great to see the woman with the pearls, you know, on the cover of the magazine, it's also important to see the woman, you know, who is in the market, who is selling tomatoes, you know, who is bringing her produce from villages to the towns. I feel like 
tying in all of those stories. So I want, if there's any movement at all, it is that the full spectrum of our diversity has to be included in the conversation. Mm. If, there's, if, if there's any movement at all, that would be that would be something that, uh, you know, I would be leading, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I think that you at least you started doing that with Ladies yeah. Africa yeah. and now uh, having yeah. the followers that are following yeah. you or yeah. following the account, you know, it talks also about, you know, that resonance that is having with people. So tell yeah. me, how do you want to be remembered for? I know that is young. You still have like at least 100 years to live. <laughs> but if you have mm. to think now, you know, and leave that legacy you want to leave, what would that be? I want people to say, um, I know like this question, people always say, oh, I want to be remembered for the impact, and the, uh, which is great. But I think I want to be remembered as someone who lived her life authentically as it flowed from within her outside. That, that, that would be the legacy because I think that the more authentic you are, the more authentic I am, the more we give others coming behind us the power to be their most authentic selves. And once we do that, there's a butterfly effect. And imagine that if there's 7 billion people in the world who don't feel the need to be like somebody else or sound like somebody somebody else or feel the pressure to be something that they are not if they're living their most truest selves distilled in the truest form i think and that's really powerful yeah that is great you are a wise woman (laughs) (laughs) so now let's go quick question and quick answers um so what did you learn from all your experience so far you know that you want to transmit to others um, the power of resilience. Life can get hard. Life can get super difficult and super hard. But how you navigate those turns and how it makes you become. A lot of people's stress and um, bad things make them bitter, um, difficult, closed off, afraid. Um, I think that being resilient is something that I want to share more with people, you know, um, and, and, and that is also just living my life authentically to say, this is how I responded to it. I was angry then, but I've worked through it. I was hopeless then. I felt hopeless then, but I've worked through it. Just again, that constant sense, constant sense of being resilient and, and constantly evolving. Okay, that's great. So what's one object, only one, you'll take with you on a desert island? A book. A book, okay. A book without without much th- no thought at all. It wouldn't even be water. It would be a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that book is going to nourish you and uh, keep going. Book. Book. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, what is your definition? Would you say of meaningful work, meaningful life? Doing something that is meaningful work. Doing something that goes beyond the paycheck meaningful life, doing something that drives you when the chips are down. So regardless of how you feel, regardless of what is happening to you or in you, um, there's something higher than that that drives you or there's something deeper or more solid than that that drives you. Mm -hmm. Great. So is there 
anything that you regret not having done earlier in your life? No. Uh, to, to be honest, I feel like I could have been like more focused in, in my career. And, and I think that's something that I, because um, like at the start of my career, I wasn't quite sure. Oh, should I focus on this? You know, I wanted to be, at some point, I wanted to try out in entertainment. I thought, you know, I can be an actress. Or maybe I should be a TV presenter. Or maybe I should do this. But then I came back to like realizing like, you know, comms and PR is actually what I want to do. Um, so I don't know if it's a regret, but but maybe I could have been more focused a little earlier on, you know, uh, but thank God it, it, it all worked out. Thank God it all worked out. And I, I suppose that perhaps it's just all those explorations that led you to yeah. where you are. So you know, it's not even like a thing, right? <laughs> it was just an exploration to get yeah. to that place. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Any last piece of advice that I haven't asked you that you might want to pass on? To our listeners to live and more life. Yeah, so I think like the first thing is I, 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 I'm not the person who gives advice at all. I don't want to be ever known as that. But I think the thing that I would say is live life fully. Whatever that, what, whatever fully is to you. For some people, it just means working in the same place for 30 years and then retiring with a gold watch. Mm-hmm. But live life in what is important to you. Don't look at um, another person's lane or another person's life and try to tailor yours. And it's hard. It's we're human beings. I'm living in this community. Um, but I think, yeah, live life fully as fully means to you yourself. Yeah, that's great. So can you share some resources perhaps that listeners can uh, absolutely uh, read, listen to, and things like that? To really live a, a meaningful work, um, do meaningful work and live a meaningful life. Something that's um, again, I'm gonna like uh, be a bit. Uh, what about this? I think the biggest resource you can open yourself up to is to be curious. Yeah. Just be curious about life, and whether that includes reading, travel, you know, TED talks everything just open yourself up and be curious that will be my number one resource (laughs) i love that resource too i'm going to go and find that as well (laughs) so how can people reach you and learn more about what you uh, about you and your work so obviously, like I'm on LinkedIn, um, you know, Francesca Riri, same on Facebook, um, you know, on Instagram. I'm the same actually on, on all of these platforms. And if you want to follow Leading Ladies Africa as well, we're on LinkedIn. Um, no, sorry, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, the whole world. So if you just, if you just Google me, actually, it's, it's, it's kind of like easy to like follow the pixie dust to, okay. to wear. <laughs> Yeah, great. I'm going to put all this in the show notes. Thank you so much, Francesca, to to be on this show today. It was a really great pleasure to have you. And thank you for having me and well done with all the incredible, incredible work that you do. Thank Thank you. you very much. Yeah. Thank you. What was your key takeaway from this episode? What are you committed to do today to find more meaning in your work and live a more meaningful life? If you are ready to build a meaningful personal brand to create a business or a career you love, I'd love to hear from you. Book a strategic call 
at www.francinebelay.com slash call that F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I dot com slash call. The show notes of this episode of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage francinebelay.com slash podcast with all the references and resources shared on the show. Whilst you are there, leave a message in the comment section to let me know about your key takeaway from this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to show your love and support, subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app where you are listening to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. It will take you a minute, but it will mean a lot to me and help me spread this message to many, many more people. Thank you for listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I will see you next week for another thought-provoking episode of this season three. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.